The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is going to be a fun show. It, it's hard to believe that in the middle of January, you're saying, well, we're we're getting into the, one of the biggest uh, races of the year. But in fact, we are. It is the Milan 8th Pegasus World Championship Invitational. Only has a purse of $16,300,000. So, uh, of course, it's brought together a horse that will be crowned later this evening, course of the year, and I'll book that bet, Gunrunner, uh, who's been installed the four to five favorite. Obviously, there's going to be a great uh, undercard along with it, and we're going to take a look at that undercard with my friend Dan Illman, the uh, uh the chief engineer that drives the DRF.com bus, or train for that matter. He's got a, a great staff that works with him, uh, the handicapping editor at the Daily Racing Forum. Of course, uh, Dan's also a, a noted author, uh, calls Brooklyn his home. I know he's been very, very busy, and I'm very uh happy that he can take time out of his schedule. Don't know how many races we're going to get in, uh, but there are a couple $200,000 grade three races uh, the, going a mile and a half on the turf, both of them. From what I understand, the weather's supposed to be pretty good down there. And uh, the first is the 49th running of the La Provente handicap. I'm probably mispronunciating that one. And uh, that didn't draw the biggest field in the world. It did uh, bring out uh, a- Apple Betty and uh, Somersault, who's won over 431000 The other mile and a half, $200,000 grade three, is the William McKnight Handicap. And uh, this should be a, a very uh, contentious race, but I, we do have a home guy to cheer for, and that's none other than Tim Glyshaw uh, that's been on these airwaves with us. He sent Bullard's Alley to the Breeders' Cup turf. Now, he finished sixth, but he was only beaten by Talismatic by three and three-quarter lengths. He was in like a three-horse uh, photo uh, for the third spot. So uh, then he came back in the H. Allen Jerkins and was just beaten by a head in there. Paco Lopez uh, will... Uh, get the chance to come back that was just a head bobbing lost so we'll be rooting for bullard's alley in the william mcknight and then uh in the uh, gulf stream park we want to finally get a sprint in here how about five furlongs on the turf the gulf stream park turf sprint it's a one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar race been uh, listening to a lot of the handicappers online matt bernier gave us a real nice long shot in there i hope i get a chance to to bring it up if not, you can go to drf.com and check it out yourself. Of course, uh, my our, my friend Pete Aiello, that was our handicapper last week, um, he uh, is going to uh, be involved with with the uh, Eclipse uh, Stakes uh, 
presentations, awards uh, tonight, but I do want to thank him for coming on last week. We'll go over the results there. And uh, first up is going to be uh, uh, Jeff Johnston. Now, we've had Jeff on before. He's the Midwest Regional Manager for the Jockeys Guild, and uh, the Jockeys Guild uh, just uh, held their big annual meeting out in Las Vegas recently, and I want to talk to Jeff about some of the improvements we've seen and some of the other uh, directions that the Jockeys Guild is going in. So Jeff's a real quality guy, and uh, as a matter of fact, I think he's in a jocks room right now talking to management over at Turfway Park. Well, before we get any further, do want to remind you, on this big weekend, there's going to be plenty of opportunities. The pools are going to be huge, and and uh, that's going to be your chance to uh, bring home some cash. So don't forget, pull down our easy win forms. Uh, just uh, mentioned uh, Turfway Park. had hey, two nice hits this week. On the 19th, a 50-cent pick three that paid $3,085. And on the same evening is uh, another 50-cent pick four that paid 2166 And yes, we are clicking at Gulfstream, a $1 super high five that paid 2322 and how about this other 3 days later $1 super hard 5 3128 i hope you're grabbing that kind of money this saturday from gulfstream park now i, I mentioned uh, turfway um, probably over the years you you've wondered if you're on the west coast or maybe on, on the east coast for that matter because his restaurants are here in the midwest um, guy by the name of jeff ruby big horse racing fan you might have known him he's the guy that kicked oj out of his restaurant in louisville a few years ago but anyhow he has taken up sponsorship of the spiral stakes and it's going to be called the jeff ruby stakes spelled s-t-e-a-k-s uh, i just listened to a live interview with jeff and uh, he's uh, he's quite the character i can tell you that uh, when i first met him he had some horses in training with uh Turk Schonert and a guy by the name of Chris Collinsworth in the Cincinnati area. And uh, they started a restaurant called The Precinct uh, that just uh, took off. It's still there. The Precinct is fantastic. But then uh, he started opening up his own brand of restaurant. Uh, he's got uh, one in Louisville that's attached to the Galt House. And he has one in downtown Cincinnati. But uh, he's easy to find during the day because he likes to kick back and relax um, at, at a local uh, cigar store in Cincinnati. And they, they, they're grandfathered in, so you can go in there and sit down in a lounge chair and have a cigar. Anyhow, the spiral is now the Jeff Ruby Steaks. And I'm going to try to see if we can't get Jeff on. He's a, a quite an interesting individual. But those of you that are wondering all these years when you see these horses winning grade ones with Jeff Ruby steakhouse uh on the pants who jeff is and he's just a huge race fan he also makes a very large uh donation to the permanently disabled jockeys fund in return for those jockeys that uh wear his silks As a matter of fact i think his silks were represented in uh, the on the winner in all three triple crown races this year all right gun runner just as smooth as silk coming into the pegasus uh, he had his final breeze. Uh, just uh, everybody pleased his prunts. He went a half mile in 48 and four uh, at Gulfstream Park. So he's, uh, you know, came down from his base at the fairgrounds and he's going there after the race is over, win, lose, or draw. He'll be going to uh, 
Three Chimneys, where his sire, Candy Ride, stands. And uh, so now he's five years old, and he's going to take up the mantle from there. But Scott Blassie, uh, Asmussen's assistant, just said, I love the way he did it. The jockey was very happy with him, never asked him to do anything. So, um, you know, after winning the Breeders' Cup Classic at Del Mar, he's been training at the fairgrounds. It's going to be very interesting to see if anybody can knock the crown off his head. Uh, some interesting debate going on about uh, the post position that he drew in the Pegasus World Championship. He ended up drawing the 10 hole, and he's got speed on the inside of him. And people are saying, you know, nobody wants to bet against this horse, but this might be the one spot where possibly you might want to try betting against Gunrunner. Well, I could tell you this. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, bad post or not, I think Florent Rougeau Jarou will get a good position with him. And uh, I, I got a feeling he's just too dominant. Been, a lot of his workouts have been uh, publicized online, and you can take a look at him. He just looks like he's going so strong. Asmussen has him on his toes. So, uh, uh, Gunrunner. The favorite at four to five, despite his number 10 post position. We'll be talking to Dan Illman about that just a little bit later in the uh, show. Also, get um, kind of a strange moment of the year. A lot of times it's a sensational win or a great horse. Uh, this time, the NTRA moment of the year was the San Luis Ray fire. And of course, uh, couldn't have been more tragic. It claimed the lives of 46 thoroughbreds. And uh, But the thing is, there are so many great stories of uh, the heroics of the, the people there and some of the horses that have already come out of the fire and have come back and won races and uh, how people have been affected and how different parts of the racing industry all drew together to support uh, the horsemen and to give care to the horses at St. Louis Ray that uh, it uh, got moment of the year. Well, he, here's one that will surprise a lot of people. Longines puts out the world's best racehorse. The winner was Arrogate. Now, it's usually, uh, a lot of times it's just based on um, a sensational performance. And I guess basically it was, uh, you know, the way that uh, he won his uh the Dubai World Cup as the single best performance uh, that anybody had seen this year. And he even edged out uh, uh, the great Australian wonder mare, Winks, uh, who uh, just continues to win races left and right. So, uh, but anyhow, Longines uh, believes that Bob Baffert's trainee, Arrogate, uh, was the top in there. So Winks was second. Tied for third was Cracksman and Gunrunner, then Enabled and Ulysses, in case you're keeping score for Longines. Uh, so let's move on to some uh, news. Louis Sayez, I think you might want to keep an eye on him at Gulfstream Park. He rode seven wins on the card two days ago. Unbelievable. Easily the leading rider here. Now, first foal is a colt for California Chrome, and it's out of a former 
Ohio champion, Pay the Man. She was quite the horse. Uh, she won 22 stakes, if you can believe that. So uh, that was the first one. And uh, so California Chrome's got a baby boy on the ground. It was born at Calumet Farm. So... Uh, He's got his first. Nyquist, Kentucky Derby winner, has his first foal, and it's a New York-bred filly. And this news just came out today is that uh, Songbird uh, foaled a perfectly healthy Uncle Mo Colt. Just got off the phone with my friend Joe Nevels at the Daily Racing Forum to verify that. So uh, c- congratulations. I'm sure her legend will live on. Uh, but the Songbird has an Uncle Mo at her side. All right, quick look now at some of the races we looked at last week with my friend Pete Aiello. He had a good day, I can tell you that. In the fourth race, it was the Sunshine Millions Classic, and the winner was Jay's Way. Pete's number one pick at 4-1. to one. Jay's Way had the lead in the stretch and then was headed by Mr. Jordan, and uh, but came back late, very game. So Jay's way, Pete's pick at four to one, got the job done. Mr. Jordan, who was even money, uh, ran the second spot, and in third was Catholic Cowboy. Then we went to the Sunshine Millions turf, and the winner in here was Galleon Mast. And who picked him? Our boy Pete, perfectly timed ride by our Rad Ortiz, got the job done over two-to-one shot our way in the third spot was second mate. Then on to the 10th race at Gulfstream, and we said this was going to be a chalk exacta, and it was. It paid fourteen sixty. Winning the race was Starship Jubilee at even money by a length over Daddy's Boo, who was the speed of the race, sent away at 5-2. to two. The third spot was Graceful Heart. Uh, on to uh, one final one that we handicapped. This was a no-brainer in wire-to-wire fashion. XY Jet, one of the fastest horses in training, led by six into the stretch in the six-furlong race. Finishing second was Mo Cash, sent away at 41. He got up for second. In the third spot at 41-1 to one was Sweet on the Ladies, but with those two favorites finishing front, only $6 to show on a 40-to-1 shot. So that's a look at last week's races, some big news in the breeding barns, and, of course, the big news at the racetrack is going to be the races at Gulfstream Park, headed it up by the 16, that 1,000, hold it, John. Let's get, let's get this right. The $16 million Pegasus World Championship. I'm trying to put 10 pounds in a 5-pound bag. So my producer's telling me it's time to take a break. Hopefully, we've hunted down Jeff Johnston. He's going to tell us what's going on with the Jockeys Guild. You're listening to Winnie Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, 
Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with us right now is Jeff Johnston, a guy I met probably about uh, 20-some years ago, Uh, came in to to ride in the uh, Cincinnati-Kentucky circuit. Uh, I was always intimidated by him, by his scowl, but I think he just told me he was just concentrating at the time. But anyhow, we ended up becoming very good friends. Uh, His uh, wife, Jo Lynn, uh, has done advertising for the thoroughbred industry and was our our marketing uh, director for years in Cincinnati. And uh, Jeff uh, got his uh, uh, BS degree in business and equine administration from the University of Louisville. And... uh, Right now, he is uh, working with the Jockeys Guild. I believe, I. you can correct me, Jeff, but is your title still Midwest Regional Manager? Because I see you all over the country. Well, we call it Midwest, but I guess it's the expanded Midwest, because I also handle New York and New Jersey. It's uh, quite an extensive range. Yeah, I, I, I would think so. I would think so. Well, um, I know it was uh, held, I believe, uh, just prior to Christmas, uh, you, you had your last big guild meeting in Las Vegas. Is that correct? Yeah. Every year we have to have an annual assembly with so many guys uh, either in attendance or, or there by proxy. And we go through the normal business, um, you know, the financials and elections if it's an election year. Uh, but we also have a, a, a long list of, of great speakers to come in. This year we had some you know, on the business end, we had some financial people there. We have uh, some insurance people. We've got a new insurance plan for the guys, which is a great benefit, which protects them when they go out of the country, which was an area that, that was kind of in limbo before, especially the guys going to Ascot or Woodbine or um, to the Caribbean when they've got those those races. Now that we can ensure that they have coverage when they're riding um, outside our borders, which is a huge benefit for them. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I see on day one, thanks for sending me the schedule, uh, something that uh, we have talked about here on the air. We had Dr. Uh, Carl uh, Maticola on, it uh, might have been about a year ago, and at that time, he was in the development stages of the protocol. Of course, football's been on everybody's mind, and we see how much, you know, uh, 
sports and concussions have become a very important uh, concern these days. Um, how far has, has Dr. Maticola come along uh, with his uh, uh, study with the, and implementing the program? Well, I'd say quite a ways, but as you know, especially in this industry, every, everything moves very slowly. When you're working with 38 different jurisdictions and people want to kind of do things, add their own flair to the way you do things in their own state, um, we, we do have a, a recommendation for a protocol now. Um, we're, we're working on a strategy basically to better, better identify concussions in racing. And we want to ensure that the jockeys are, are fit to return as long as it's safe. We want to make it sure that if they go back out there, it's safe for them and their horse and the other jockeys in the race. But we also want to look longer term and make sure that, that they're looking for the long-term um, health of their own to make sure that they don't come back too too quickly. And if they go down on another spall, they're, they're susceptible to second impact syndrome and, and really severe health health uh, issues later in life. So uh, part of it is one we want to identify when somebody goes down, whether they're, they may have had a concussion. Um, two, we want to manage that. If they do have a concussion, we want to manage them back into with a return to ride uh, protocol or guideline to make sure that they can do, you know, we start them off a light exercise and then put them on a more strenuous exercise just to make sure that when they do go back there, they, they aren't showing signs of, of dizziness or nausea or, or the regular concussion symptoms. Uh, and then we want to collect data on it. We want to make sure we see how many concussions are out there. Is there potentially uh, problems with the equipment that they're using, such as the helmets, which was we followed up the concussion panel with a panel of professionals in the helmet industry and we had a um a top engineer from the nfl who's who's basically steering their uh new new uh product line or, or innovations that they're putting into the nfl trying to develop better helmets for them so we had, and, and along with that, we had Dr. Terry Smith, who was the winner of the latest Head Health Challenge, which is one, one of the things that came out of the, the suit against the NFL was they had to put you know, millions or billions of dollars into um, looking at new products and, and how they, they can help protect against concussion and other injuries in the NFL. So this was the third stage of that, and Terry Smith with Dynamic Research out of California was the winner of that challenge, and I don't remember what the prize was, but it was substantial, and it was through his his work with one of the football helmets. Terry's been influential in the equestrian industry. He's been on the ASTM, that's the standards body, that developed the helmet and vest standards for the jockeys and and the racing industry. So he's, he's well aware of what our needs are. He's worked with many jockeys. He's done testing at Santa Anita and, and the tracks in California, so he knows the surfaces. So having him be that influential in the NFL, he's we're trying to piggyback on that and, and introduce those same concepts into the racing equipment. So it was a fabulous group. It was a very, very uh, information, uh, important information that, that they brought out there and how we compare to the NFL, how we can use what the NFL's done to make their environment safer and put that into racing. So it, it was really informative. Now, should we expect any kind of change in the design, the size, uh, what goes 
in and around a helmet, or will they? Do you think eventually they're going to look the same, but there'll be something on, on, inside the helmet that's going to help protect the brain better? Well, basically, it's going to be what's inside, and I, and I, I also should mention that of the there were four or five finalists in that last challenge, and Terry won it, of course. But one of the other finalists was Roy Burek, who is the who's the owner and manufacturer of Charles Owen helmets, which is another which is a major brand in in all of equestrian activities. And Roy's also influential on the ASTM panels. He's also on the the panels in Europe as he's based in in the UK. Um, And Roy and myself have been kind of steering a group of ASTM members in a subcommittee that's that's using these new concepts in maybe a pilot. We're trying to get a pilot study started to get some of these new technologies in helmets that are that would meet the current standards but maybe be better for the racing or equestrian industry and put those into a, a small group of participants. We've talked about using maybe the, the NARA students, the, the Riding Academy in Lexington, or um, maybe another small group that we can closely monitor. And then we've got another engineer that used, that, that has done reconstruction with the auto industry when they're looking at airbags or bumpers or car design, reconstructing uh, incidents to make sure that the cars are safer. And she's volunteered to give her time and and, uh, and brains to work on reconstructing jockey falls or exercise rider falls or or general falls in any equestrian sport that we can see maybe the the speed, the the speed, the uh, energies, the angles, the different things, and say, okay, here's what the helmets need to protect against, and then we can look at different materials or the new materials that they're they're playing with, and really put those in and, and to- totally redesign a helmet. Now, what what we've gotten from Roy is we don't think they're going to be bigger. We think they're going to be actually maybe a little smaller, a little lighter, which is what the guys are going to need because we're really going to if if they end up going easiest thing is just make them bigger and softer but nobody's going to want to wear that helmet. So we really need to kind of buckle down and try and make them smaller, try and make them lighter, which he feels that we can do. Now we may, you know, run into dead ends and have to keep trying, but hopefully with this new technology, the technology that they have, we can come up with something that really suits not just the jockeys, but the exercise riders and all equestrians. And even the uh, other equestrian groups are starting to be more proactive and participate in ASTM and looking at some of the things, the, the concerns that we've raised and comparing, seeing how they um, may react in their industry. So as we get a bigger group of people, now maybe we have a big enough market that we can get more people interested in doing it. Because the problem is now that you know baseball and hockey and, and football have so many end users that that's the market everybody wants to target. And the, the racing industry kind of gets set to the side. So if we can get more people interested and tell them or, or make them believe that we have a big enough marketplace that they can actually make some money by inventing new products that are better, then um, you know it's going to be best for all of us. But as you know, anytime you're doing this, there's there's funding involved, and um, that's been a little bit of a snag. It's not we're not talking a lot of money, but it's difficult sometimes to get you know get the initial funding to get projects like these off the ground. 
Well, Jeff, now we, we, we've talked about concussions. We've talked about the head. We've talked about football players that go out there with pads from, from head to toe. Um, where are we with, uh, with vests right now? Because that's all the jockeys have to protect the core part of their body. Well, you know, our, our vests, I think, are, are doing a pretty good job. Um, again, we had another panel, and we had uh, David Anderson from Tippery Vest, which may be the, the largest or most popular vest, at least here in the United States, who was very thankful that we'd asked him to come. He said, you know, he's been doing this for years, and this is the first time really an industry group has asked him to come and, and speak. So he was he was flattered, and he was a great speaker, and and, you know, had a lot of great interaction during the whole conference with him and the riders and got some insights from them. Uh, a great guy. He's big. He's a, he's a breeder. He's an owner. He's, uh, he's one of the top um, buyers at the, the latest Keeneland sale. So he knows the industry. He wants to help. Um, but I think as far as the products that we have out there, the jockeys seem to be pretty satisfied with them. They still, a lot of them still want a little bit lighter or thinner vest. But the testing that we've done shows that they really don't have the same protective qualities, and we're pushing them into the new new products, which there's enough out there now that they can certainly find something that they like. So Dave has been a great help, and uh, uh, the jockeys are at least the ones that were there got the message that you know those those lighter, thinner ones, you know, they may you may think they're better, but they are not. So go for protection. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Um uh, one of the most important things uh, that I try to push forward every year and make donations to is the PDJF, the Permanently Disabled uh, Jockeys Fund. Uh, got about a minute left. Anything new on that horizon? Uh, well, with the last minute, John, I, I would like to throw out there was one other there was one other presentation that was was really important. I think is really important and is becoming more important. I'd like to give a big shout out to Belinda Stronach and the Stronach Group. They have, they have introduced jockeys to the After the Impact Fund. The After the Impact Fund was established mostly for the, the military personnel who come back and, and they have um, concussions or, or depression symptoms after they come back from overseas. And then the football players have been brought into it where they have um, concussions, multiple concussions, and then they end up getting retired or cut from their teams and go through severe depression. Well, we're finding that the jockeys are having the same thing. Depression is, is rampant in jockeys. We've heard it from from uh, the overseas groups, and we're seeing some of it here. So the Stronic Group has volunteered to pay for the jockeys that have had prior past concussions to go through this after the impact program, which is like a four- or five-week program where they go and they interact with ex-football players and military people, and they share stories of what they went through. Is there, you know, it, it's kind of the same all this it's a big brotherhood between whether the military or the football players or the jockeys you live that day in and day out and when you're cast out of that system into the real world you a lot of times you don't have things to fall back on so they change exchange stories they become friends they talk about their you know their injuries and how they're coping with them and it's been a great program we're getting great free feedback and kudos to them for stepping up and and helping the jockeys get involved in that all right, Jeff, Justin, thanks so much for being with us tonight. I want to get back with you on this after the impact fund. It sounds like this could be a topic of its own, but I appreciate you taking the time and uh, say hi to your family for me, and I know I'll see you in the next couple of weeks for sure. All right. Thanks, John. 
Okay, that was Jeff Johnston from the Jockeys Guild. Going to take a quick break and we come back at handicapper extraordinaire, the main man at DRF.com, Dan Illman. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, so happy to have Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum on with us. Just uh, turn on the Daily Racing Forum, and he is not hard to find. He's all over the place. I'm sure that uh, in, in this day and age, he spends more time with Matt Burney or Mike Beer than he does with his own wife. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it, it's great stuff that Dan puts out there. I, I know I probably got to update his resume as handicapping editor, uh, host of the Daily Racing Forum's news desk. There's probably some titles and names that have changed, but nonetheless, uh, he's kind of the uh, the engineer that drives the train on DRF.com. And uh, as a matter of fact, I might spend more time with him than I do with my wife, too. Dan Elman, welcome back to the show. John, it's always great talking to you. I got to live up to that introduction, though. I better pick a couple of winners or I'm in big trouble. Uh, you'll you'll do just fine, just fine. You know the reason I had you on is that there's a rumor that you're going to give me two hundred bucks to bet on DRF uh, bets to, uh, this weekend. Is that true? That's the rumor. I guess if you go to drf.com forward slash join, there's a two hundred dollar free bet, no deposit required when you sign up to DRF bets. It's what I've been told. And if you watch any of our stakes previews and race of the day videos at video.drf.com or the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel. You'll see those uh, promotions as well. They're a pretty good deal. Yeah, I, w- I would think so, especially on a big uh, weekend like this. But, uh, yeah, I've been up there enjoying uh, uh, Mike Watchmaker, you know, uh, you you and Matt, uh, Jonathan Kinchin, um, and I, I want to, you know – 
tell our listeners to go do it. You don't have to pay for it. It's free. It's right there uh, on uh, drf.com. Uh, these are the top handicappers in the country. And it's very interesting listening to them. I, I got notes all over the place. Now, um, I, I understand that, uh, you know, it's going to be a long day for you on Saturday for sure since things start at uh, 11.30 at Gulfstream Park to get in all the races. I guess the uh, the Pegasus is due to go off at 5.35. But nonetheless, uh, from what I understand, you're, you're bringing in like our, my buddies Jay Priven and uh, Marty McGee and, uh, as you said, all hands on deck. All hands on deck is absolutely right. You're going to have uh, handicapping analysis, opinions on this wonderful Pegasus World Cup Saturday card from Gulfstream Park. Marty McGee, you got Mike Welsh, uh, not only the Gulfstream analyst for DRF, but also the workout reporter extraordinaire, Matt Bernier, myself, Mike Beer, Nicole Russo is going to have some pedigree insights. Jonathan Kinchin is going to give a pick four play. You've got Peter Thomas for Nattel talking about handicapping tournaments. Uh, there's going to be a lot of action all day long on drf.com video.drf.com live.drf.com and of course if you want to take a look at some of our preview videos the daily racing forum youtube channel as well well i i, I know you live in brooklyn do you ever uh, uh bump into uh peter fornital he's from there too isn't he Oh, yeah, he's from Brooklyn, and I have actually bumped into him a couple of times in Prospect Park. That's where his hangout is, and I've run into him. And listen, he's, he's a great handicapper, and every time I walk into him, we're talking racing. So uh, it's fantastic. He's also a big pro wrestling fan, which uh, raises an eyebrow a bit, but it's okay. <laughs> I know he's also a fan of bourbon when I go up on uh, some of his <laughs> He's a big pages. fan of that as well, yes. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm kind of in that club, too. Uh, well, well, Dan, it's kind of interesting because the, the one thing, I, I, I don't know if you and Matt have ever bet a favorite. And when you've got one of the most amazing horses we've seen race in modern times in Gunrunner, you guys are still trying to find a way to beat him. But That's it sounds why you to gotta me like listen to the video, John. I mean, boy, you're absolutely right. I mean, we but we talk about and we say, listen, we don't want to have a lot of money in against Gunrunner in the Pegasus World Cup. His merits are obvious. His Breeders' Cup Classic was a sensational race, along with Arrogate's Dubai World Cup. They were the two best individual performances of 2017. I have to admit, these post-position draws are often boring and tedious and really don't produce any news. But when Gunrunner drew post-position 10, the Internet kind of blew up a little bit because outside posts going a mile and an eighth at Gulfstream, they are terrible propositions. Gunrunner has the talent to overcome. He probably is going to win this race. But I know this post is in Steve Asmussen's mind, and I know it's in Florian Giroux's mind, and it should be in every handicapper's mind as well, because this horse is going to be four to five. And it's not like he's facing any tomato cans. Yeah, we're going to try to beat him, but I have to admit, it's not going to be easy. No, and and again, you know, looking at some of the handicappers uh, that, that you feature on the show, uh, I noticed that uh, several of them, uh, including you guys, uh, you and Matt, gave uh, a lot of uh, kudos to uh, the chances of sharp Azteca with uh, his tactical speed and inside post. Oh, it's very important, that speed at a mile and an eighth, especially when you have an inside post position. And Sharp Azteca is a very, very good horse. We saw that in the Cigar Mile. We've seen that in his previous races. He is fast. He is talented. The question for Sharp Azteca is twofold. Does he really want to go a mile and an eighth? I think he's more of a mile or mile and a sixteenth horse myself. And B, 
Is he going to want to go a mile and an eighth facing pressure? Collected has speed. Gunrunner has speed. I don't see a situation where Sharp Azteca is getting loose. If he got loose, a mile and an eighth becomes a bridge that he can climb and cross. I'm not sure he's going to be able to go a mile and an eighth facing pressure, but he's a talented horse. There's no doubt about it. One of the most talented in the race. Well, the interesting thing is there's enough speed in there to perhaps cause chaos for Gunrunner. Oh, there's no doubt about that. From post position 10, there is a possibility that some of the jockeys on their mounts breaking to the inside of Gunrunner are going to ride Gunrunner as much as their own mounts, at least in the first furlong of this race. Toast of New York, who's the complete X Factor, but we remember him from his second in the Breeders' Cup Classic. It feels like 100 years ago. Showed speed that day. You've got to think he's relatively fresh. Maybe Frankie DeTore decides to play a couple of games and makes Florent Giroux float wider into the first turn, make Giroux uh, utilize Gunrunner and have him expend more energy than he would expect. Uh, in order to get a forward position. There are some other horses to the inside as well with speed. Sharp as Deca collected. West Coast has shown speed. We saw that in his gate-to-wire win on the Travers. Gunrunner's going to have to work. This is not a gimme race where maybe if he drew post position five, he would break and find a spot or go to the front if need be. He's going to have to go. He's going to have to probably lose ground in the first turn. He's going to have to settle, get a breather, regather, and finish. If any horse can do it, it's Gunrunner. He's a must-use in any kind of multiple race wagers. You have to decide what's the value line if you're betting to win or if, you're bet- if you are comfortable enough singling in a super or a try or an exacta. Well, you know, to be honest with you, Dan, I've been called a chalkmeister before. That's probably what I'm going to do with my with my exotics because, you know, you talk about sharp Azteca, though, you know, it, it looks like he has, you know, the, the chance to stretch out because he did what he went to a mile on the 16th and won by seventh length. So that was against grade three company. Um, Gunrunner, seven starts at this distance, five wins a second for over two and a half million dollars in in earnings. I I, I just think that uh, you know the the key is put him on top, and then let, let's just say I'm talking to Dan Elman, a well-respected mm-hmm. handicapper. We're here at the table. Dan, look, I got a key gun runner on top. Give me three horses to put underneath. Well, I think got to use West Coast. I, I think he's the kind of horse that most people are going to say, well, if you're going to beat Gunrunner, it might be with West Coast. So I think you've got to use him in exotic wages for several reasons. Uh, Bob Baffert gets horses ready for big races. You don't need me to tell you that. Uh, B, West Coast is a lightly raced three-year-old turning four. Oftentimes, these horses are reaching uh, peak physical potential. And he's a pretty good horse in his own right. When you win the Travers and the Pennsylvania Derby and run third in the Breeders' Cup Classic, you know you can step. If you're banking on improvement, I think you've got to use West Coast. If you're looking for sort of under-the-radar horses to spice up your exact, I think Gunnavar is a horse that you should really be interested in. This is a horse that doesn't have a lot of speed, but we talked about there's going to be pace for him. So that's a check mark for Gunnavar. B, he loves Gulfstream Park. He's going to get his home court advantage there. And C, if you watch his Breeders' Cup Classic, a lot of folks thought that during the Breeders' Cup weekend, the inside was not the place to be, and Gunavera was rallying down towards the rail on the arguably deeper footing, and he was actually making up a little bit of ground. This is a horse that has a puncher's chance. I think it's a little bit too much to ask for him to win this race, but there's no reason why he can't actually hit the board. And if I had to use another horse maybe for fourth, listen, it'd be the greatest comeback story since Lazarus if Toast of New York wins this race. <laughs> but this is a horse that has shown ability. The connections are putting up their money, and they got plenty of it to put up. But Toast to New York is a horse with a little bit of tactical speed. He's got the great Frankie to Tour. He's going to be a big price. 
He's not here because, you know, they just, you know, want to use the spot. They think they have a chance with this horse. It looks like he's training very well. I would use him on the bottom of my tries and supers as well. You know, he, he, there's got to be an interesting backstory to toss Toast of New York because uh, during that uh, three-year hiatus, um, he's not a gelding. He's no. a horse. And, and oh, he went already to stud. It didn't work out. Yeah. You know, oh, and they easily to... could have sent him to stud, and they didn't. Oh, he, he, I think they actually tried to send him the stud in the Middle East, and if for some reason or another it didn't take, and this is a horse that had always been a little bit ouchy, and they brought him back in that race at uh, Lingfield, I think, last time out, or Kempton, in an all-weather race, and listen, he beat a very, very nice horse. Uh, one of the horses he beat last time out was actually favored over Toast in New York, and he's one of the better synthetic horses they have, and Frankie Vittori and his trainer Jamie Osborne say he's about 70% coming into that race, and he won it on class alone. I think it's fascinating that he's here. Um, again, beating Gunrunner and West Coast and Sharpest Tech and some of these very talented horses in his second start of a three-year layoff, very unlikely. But there's some talent here, and he might actually slip through the cracks from a wagering standpoint. If you're keying Gunrunner uh, on top of supers or super high fives or however you'd like to play it, you could use Toast in New York underneath. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting that after an almost three-year hiatus, they throw blinkers on him for that win at Linkfield. And so he's going to wear blinkers again while dropping uh, six pounds to get into this race. And again, while he may not win the race, his speed makes him interesting simply because he draws inside of Gunrunner. And the story within the story of this race, and the major story is, of course, Gunrunner trying to cap off an amazing career in the world's richest race is an odds-on favorite, wanting to go out a hero. But the subplot is... Maybe Toast to New York goes and forces Gunrunner really wide. Maybe Collected is hustled out of there. Sharpest Deco we know is going to go. How wide is Gunrunner going to go in the first turn? How much is post position, which is really, really a major factor for many handicappers in mile and an eighth dirt races at Gulfstream Park, how much is it going to become a factor? How much does it work against Gunrunner? It will be interesting. I know that was a point that uh, Mike Watchmaker uh, pointed out on DRF.com today, too. Well, I'll tell you what. We're talking with Dan Illman, uh, mostly about the Pegasus World Championship, an unbelievable undercard. Again, set your alarms, guys, uh, 11.30 a.m. and just full fields uh, you know, through the day. Almost, because we're gonna we're gonna come back and uh, take a look at a race that doesn't have a full field. The 49th running of the La Prevointe, a Grade Three, two hundred thousand dollars stake on the card. We're talking with Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back after this break. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, Dan, I, I do want to know, you know, I, I wrote your bio here on our site probably three years ago. What is your current title? Executive Producer DRF TV. Boy, it sounds great for a guy that shows up and talks about pick fours at parks sometimes. <laughs> I got to call you and get an update on your resume here because I think it's pretty outdated, at least by about three years. But, uh, you know, we like to keep things a little bit fresh on the website. So, um, like I said, it's going to be an amazing day. I know uh, your buddy Marty McGee is going to be burning up the, the teller's windows because he loves it when you got all these really bettable races. Uh, it, it's just surprising that, you know, you got horses, you know, races with 14, 13, 13, 14 horses in there. Then you throw out 200,000 and you only come up with seven in the La Provente handicap, shall I, if I'm saying that right. But it, it is a mile and a half on the turf. A rare distance for a lot of horses. And this is the girls' edition. McKnight is the boys. And uh, I uh, was trying to go through this field, and I I was having a hard time keying in on anybody. I agree. There are a lot of question marks in this race. You've got the winner of the prep race here, the Via Borghese. That's Daring Duchess from Michael Maker. And that horse has a good amount of early speed. But in that race, she was the lone speed and the controlling speed, and she got really relaxed on the backstretch and was able to kick on home over a couple of these horses. I think there's other speeds in here maybe to soften her up. And we talked about, you know, I don't really like to play chalk too much, but, boy, this Apple Betty who's 7-5 to five on the morning line, she looks really good to me. She won the Dowager last time out at a mile and a half for Shug McGahey. And we know, if we know anything about Shug, who's just a, a wonderful trainer, his horses get better and stronger as they get older and as they get more distance. And I believe Apple Betty's going to be no exception. Uh, she got a nice trip in the Dowager, but she also showed a new dimension, winning from off of the pace. And I think she's going to get a really good tracking three-wide trip under John Velasquez. Uh, Apple Betty, to me, just looks like the most likely winner in the field. Uh, she, I guess she would be my pick in the race, although she is a depressed price. And I'm not sure if I'd want to really key on her in single race bets, win bets, but I would certainly lean on her in multiple race wagers. If you're looking for a long shot in here, maybe Somersault is one to consider. Somersault really made hay at Gulfstream last year. I believe she won three consecutive races at Gulfstream. And then she just had terrible trip after terrible trip in New York. Uh, her connections are intent on somehow getting her covered up, and many times it works. 
they get her covered up, and then she gets blocked in traffic. If she is able to get out at a point in the race, in a race with some speed, she's going to fire, and she loves this course. But I think Apple Betty gets through this for Shug, and we'll see where her future lies, or does she go off to become a broodmare? Yeah, it's interesting to see uh, uh, the Gal- Galileos showing up in North America now on uh, more regular basis for anybody that hasn't followed his uh, progeny. He, he's done to Europe what Northern Dancer did here in the, the U.S. Uh, three decades ago. He's just been an amazing impact, uh, a son of uh, Sadler's Wells, and now his sons are doing fantastic. So the Galileos on the grass, I mean, I've been playing that angle now for a couple of years. It's good to see him in the U.S. And like you said, uh, Shug McGahey, yes, we're talking about the Hall of Fame material there. So that's the La Provointe. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, Dan, but so what? I'll leave that up to Pete As long as you're cashing, it doesn't matter, uh, John. As long as you cash, call it what you want. That's Pete Aiello's job. I had him on the show last week. I worked with Pete for about five years uh, in Cincinnati, and it was great to watch his career take off because he's really developed into one hell of a track announcer, I can tell you that. Um, Let's move on to the uh, McKnight. And I told you during the break that uh, I've got a buddy with a horse in here. His name's Tim Gleishaw. He's been on the show. Uh, I mean, he, he won the Canadian International by 10 lengths with Bullard's Alley at odds of 40 two to one nobody believed in him and uh he won a graded stakes race like seven days earlier with another one of his horses so th- he's a good guy on the rise but nonetheless in the breeders cup turf okay you say oh, my horse ran sixth he was only beating three and three quarter links in there gets a little bit of a race comes back at golf stream and the alan jerkins and again another you know head bobbing uh de- defeat in there he was favored that day he's not blaming paco lopez paco lopez is back on board I really like Bullard's Alley in here. Oh, there's a lot to like about Bullard's Alley, and you mentioned all of his attributes. Uh, the Canadian International, I think a lot of folks after that race saw that whopping buyer speed figure at that inflated mutual odds and said, well, it's got to be the ground. He had, had to just be a swimmer. He loved that boggy turf course, but you're right. The Brewers' Cup turf, okay, he didn't hit the board, but I think he proved that he's a legitimately good horse that day. He tried very, very hard. There are two reasons why maybe from a gambling standpoint you might want to be against him, however. Number one is that in his most recent start, that two-mile Alan Jerkins, that was a race where the last run was the best run. And Bullard's Alley and the winner of that race sort of came from the back of the pack. If you watch that race... Weird for a two-mile race. The pace picked up at about the mile part, and the horses were going for home really, really early, and it kind of hurt their finishing kick. This horse was ridden correctly. The winner was ridden correctly. They took advantage of the race flow. It could be a different situation here. Two is that Bullard's Alley is always a great alternative. At 8-1, to one, you know that Bullard's Alley at 6-1, to one, you know that, boy, he's an interesting horse. Yeah, occasionally he doesn't win, and occasionally maybe he doesn't you know, parlay these good trips to wins, but he could easily beat you. The problem is he's going to be 2-1 to one or 9-5 to five on Saturday, and you, know, you always have those same concerns at a price. But he is a horse that I would use in any kind of multiple race wager. Oscar nominated is interesting. I'm interested in your opinion on him because this is a horse that also kind of lacks that winning profile. He's trained by a, a good one in Michael Maker, no doubt about it. His last race, rare that he didn't seem to fire. I like that he was given a little bit of freshening time after that race. I think there's a sneaky amount of pace in this race, and I think Oscar nominated is going to take advantage. He's a horse that you might want to consider. I need him to drift off that three-to-one morning line, though. 
Well, you know, I, I heard you guys on air talking about, uh, you know, Mike Maker and his uh, really fantastic success on the turf. I, I'd love to see go through history and see if there's another trainer that's had as much success with the same sire as he has with Kitten's Joy. And uh, he just didn't have, uh, you know, he, he, got the, he got the Kentucky Turf Cup, very rich race, so he only made 600000 last year. But the, the season before in 2016, he really uh, had this horse on his toes, uh, has only been to Gulfstream Park once, that was the Tropical Park Derby, and ran second in that race. So, uh, you know, maker on big days comes up big, so... That's my read on Oscar nominated. He'd be a hard horse to leave off your ticket. Damn, my producer's telling me we got two minutes to post. And uh, I'm interested. Finally, we're going to talk about a sprint race, the Gulfstream Park sprint in here. Uh, I know I did uh, uh, watch a, a few of your uh, compatriots there. And uh, Mr. Bernier likes Conquest Enforcer in here at 12 to 1. He's married to this horse. He's been chasing him for a very, very long time. And this is a horse that, let me tell you something, you got to go back a ways. 2016, when he was reeling off wins in the Mathis Brothers Mile, the Charlie Barley, the Allied Forces Stakes, he's had some problems getting to the races. His last race was sneaky good off about a six-month layoff. But the fact that Mark Cassie is getting him another race without another layoff makes me think that Conquest Enforcer is sharp. And Conquest Enforcer also is going to stalk. Pay any price, the horse to beat Scott Speed. Successful native, uh, a rail skimmer has got some speed as well. Conquest Enforcer might just tuck in right behind those two horses and work out a great trip. Louis Size, is there any hotter rider at Gulfstream right now than Louis Size? What, do you have seven the other day? Yes, yes, he did, and we talked about that earlier in the show. Well, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're uh, talking with Dan Elman uh, from the Daily Racing Forum, and uh, Dan, you're going to be a busy man this week. I really thank you for taking the time. We I always get positive feedback from our listeners when you're on the show. People wonder how I even land you, and it's just because I'm, I'm not afraid to ask. And uh, my, my mother always said, well, John, what's the worst thing they can do but say no? But you, you never have, Dan, and I, I appreciate your time, your insight, and I love uh, watching you on the Internet. You do an outstanding job. Good luck this weekend to you and your whole crew. Really looking forward to tuning in. Good luck to you and to everybody at home, and I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure. Thank you. All right. We've been talking with Dan Illman. I want to thank Jeff Johnston for his time, too, in filling us in on some of the strides that they're making in the Jockeys Guild. I want to thank my producer, Matt Widener, for keeping us uh, on time. So let me get out of here. Remember, go pull down the easy win forms. Huge fields. you got to get up early. The action starts at Gulfstream at 1130. For Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.